Hey everyone, David Bowden here. Before we start the show, we have a special announcement from the team here at Spoken Gospel. As we approach our summer film block, we're filming our final introductions for our whole project on the Bible, including books of the Bible like the book of Revelation and Chronicles, and it's going to be an amazing time. And we are almost finished funding our need for this film block, and we have about $30,000 left to cross the finish line. And we are asking you, our podcast listeners, to help make this possible. So please consider supporting our mission by visiting the Spoken Gospel website, clicking on donate and contributing what you can. Whether you choose to donate once or monthly, we're so grateful for your support. Okay, now on with the show. It's just so interesting to view Satan that way. The one who comes to us and whispers accusations in our ears and condemnation and says, you are guilty, you are worthless, you're going to die, there is no God, there is no resurrection for you. And it's like, man, when Jesus rose from the grave, guess who went into the tomb after him? Satan. He casts mm-hmm. Satan down. Mm-hmm. He defeats his accusations. We are proven innocent when we combine ourselves with him. When we are in Christ, we too are innocent. And Satan's accusations have nothing to do but be to be thrown to the lions. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are continuing our walk through the book of Daniel now in chapter six with Daniel in the lion's den. Seth, how you feeling about this famous story? I mean, I'm ready to get in the lion's den. You're ready to get in the lion's den. Because they're not going to hurt me because God's going to close their mouth. (laughs) Man, I have to say, (laughs) you, as you started studying this and you were processing it with me, blew everything I thought about this story out of the water. Really? I never had understood it the way that most commentators understand it and that is actually the right way to understand it right you like laid it out for me i was like i did not know this so stick around I'm and just, listen to I'm this excited. everyone because it's super cool it changes so much and adds so much detail and richness in the gospel to it i'm very excited to share everything yeah well daniel 6 1 it rem- well let's go back before daniel right. 6 1 because it's yeah because it starts with the word it pleased Darius. Who's Darius? Where'd he come from? At the very end of the last chapter, the Babylonian Empire falls to the Medes. Right. And King Darius inherits the throne of Babylon. Mm-hmm. And now it's called the Median Empire. Okay. Um, and it's so... Not, it's not small. It's, it's not, not large. It's median. It's, it's median. <laughs> it's it's Amina. <laughs> <laughs> and it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. So he begins his administration by reorganizing mm-hmm. the political system of Babylon. Which is just interesting, too, that it's 120 satraps because, as we talked about in the last episode, uh, with the me, uh, Mene, Mene, Tekla, and Parson, the Mene is a Mina, which is 60. Yes. And it's repeated twice. 60 so, plus 60 is 120. Yeah. And the very end of the dream of the vision interpretation by Daniel the Belshazzar is, your kingdom will be divided. Yep. To this new empire. And, and so he, he divides now has it. all 120. <laughs> he divides it into 120 yeah. pieces. And another way to think about it, too, is like 
Um, if the 60 is the weight that was to be expected of Belshazzar's reign yeah. kind of compared to Nebuchadnezzar's yeah, yeah, yeah. in his last days of being a humble king, um, oh. then Darius is measuring up. He's twice the man that Belshazzar or right. should have been. Or yeah, should have been. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's just a funny little extra corroboration of Daniel's interpretation. Of if you haven't vision. listened to the Daniel 5 podcast, go back. That was listen. a fun one. That was fun. And that might make a little more sense to you. Anyway, yeah. so Darius <laughs> yeah. Darius is redistributing his political system. And over them, he sets three high officials of whom Daniel was one mm. and whom these satraps should give an account so the king might suffer no loss. So again, like... We've talked about Daniel's favor among the kings of Babylon, mm -hmm. and now it's being shown in a new administration. What kind of advisor to the king changes with a military occupation? Right. I'm I mean, right now we've talked a couple of times, like Ukraine and Russia are mm -hmm. at it. Right. Just imagine the high vizier, the wise man of Ukraine, mm -hmm. and let's just say Russia wins. Right. That man being in Russia's court as well. Right. That's just wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. A loyalist right. to Babylon should not be a good man in media's court. But right. favor, wisdom is yeah. found in Daniel. It's amazing. Then the, Daniel becomes distinguished above all the other high officials, just like every time he's been placed in office beforehand. Which, again, is, is just re-emphasizing. Both those points are re-emphasizing the main thrust of this book, which is God is in control. He puts mm -hmm. people in the places that he wants, and he is able to set up kings and bring down kings. Yes. And so he is able to put Daniel in any kingdom that might come in a position of power because he's in control and because mm -hmm. his kingdom is actually the one over all kingdoms. That's right. And if we want to tease even next week a little bit, I think it's interesting that you have all these different kings being depicted like gods or beasts, but Daniel is a Jew mm. and he's a son, he's a son of man. He's a, he's a normal. He was a yeah. Jew taken from Babylon, but he continued taken from Judah, and he mm -hmm. continues to be elevated over and over and over again. Yeah. In the very next chapter, there's this image of a son of man ascending to a throne, and in some ruling ways, ruling over beasts, ruling over beasts. In some way, that's Daniel throughout the whole book. Right. He's a man, a Jew, mm -hmm. elevated over and over again among these beast-like kingdoms. Right. Anyway. Yeah, that's really good. We'll talk yeah. about it next week. Um, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Uh, the, the prime minister of media. Then the officials and the satraps sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. He's too good of a man. Yes. There's no dirt on Daniel. Right. And they're so jealous of him. Again, just like they were when Nebuchadnezzar was ruling. Right. History's repeating itself. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a, a thought? Well, I have just Jesus thoughts. In Jesus my head. thoughts. I have gospel thoughts in my head. As visions of gospel thoughts dance through my head. <laughs> as, as they do. <laughs> um, and so these men said, well, we're not going to find any grounds for complaint against Daniel as it pertains to the ruling. Right, of, so they have to set a trap. So they set a trap with connection to the laws of his God. Hmm. So they want to trap Daniel. In legalese. In legalese and particularly worship of his God, which again was on the line oh. in, in Daniel chapter 1. So you have a new kingdom, a new empire, you have a new test. Oh, right. This is right. a new test. A this new is the, the broccoli and water again. It's a broccoli and water. And so it's going to be, a, and the first one was about the, the food laws, mm -hmm. defiling yourself with the food laws, the laws of his food, of God's, yeah. the laws of God as pertaining to food in chapter one. Mm. Now the laws of God are up for debate again. Will Daniel be faithful to God? Will he be faithful to Darius? 
So they go to Darius and they offer Darius a flattering proposition. Yeah, they say that they want to set up a law in the land that makes it so no one can pray to the gods except through him as their mediator, as their intercessor. Mm-hmm. Which, again... For 30 days. For 30, for 30 <laughs> days. Like, what? It just time, time runs out like he couldn't handle more than 30 days like, of intercession. <laughs> but it is interesting that the problem again and again and again throughout Daniel with these kings have been that they set themselves up in God's position. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's through a giant statue yeah. or through claiming that in pride that they actually have all power instead of God or using the vessels for their rompus parties. Yep. They keep trying to set themselves in the place of God. And again, you know, I have to dip it in the New Testament to do this, but there is no mediator between God and man. Right. <laughs> other than Jesus. Other right. than God himself. And so they were offering Darius a chance to be God, which is a funny thing too. They're offering him the same temptation that was in the garden. Don't you want to uh, be like God? Yeah. Like, wouldn't that, that be cool? And he's like, oh, sure. And he goes along with it. Yeah. So Darius goes along with the plan. Is there mm-hmm. any other wrinkle in there? Well, I think we should talk about what does it mean for Darius to be the mediator between the gods and okay. the Median Empire? Yeah. So like, I was like, because I think normally when I read this story for the first time, I was like, no one can pray to in anyone but Darius. Right. So Darius is God and he's going to grant all the requests of Babylon. Right. No, I don't mm-hmm. think that's what's right. on the line. It's that the kings were seen as divine beings mm-hmm. and praying in Darius's name. Yes. In Give, Darius' name, amen. In Darius' name, amen. That's the only prayer you could for thirty days. It was it was flattery, one. Right. Because he's a new he's a new emperor. Mm-hmm. We need to flatter the new emperor. What better way to consolidate, consolidate power. power in the kingdom than for the whole for all languages to say one name. All right, yeah. exactly. In Darius's name alone we pray. So that could look like bringing gifts to the king and making petitions in front of the king and you make an offering in front mm-hmm. of the king. But really this is mostly a symbolic gesture because right. Darius and these court officials aren't going to be presiding over the Every private prayer, prayer <laughs> or even the public temple prayers right. throughout the entire province. It's a symbolic gesture mm-hmm. meant to, to play to Darius's vanity. Right. And it's just meant to trap one person. And it's just meant to trap one person. Mm-hmm. But an interest, the wrinkle is, if they don't do it, they can be thrown to the lions. Right. So, wh- why, like, yeah, why this Why this punishment for breaking that law? And that would be the wrong question to ask. Right. Yes. So, so a couple That's how th- I've always viewed it, though, right? right. It, it was, was always like, viewed as, don't do if, it or you'll get thrown to the if lions. If we catch you praying in Yahweh's name, to the lions you go. Right. It's, right. it's law punishment. Yeah. I think there's a little bit... It's a little more complicated yes. than that. One, it's this, like, and just so everyone knows, this is what I was talking about at the beginning that blew my mind. I think it's less like, hey, you can only pray in Darius's name. If we catch you, you're going to go. Yeah, that's the punishment. That's the punishment. I think it's more like a trial by ordeal. Right. Like it's it's more like a witch trial. Yes. Than it is like anything else, because just on a like a most basic level, how do you know? How can anyone know in whose name you're praying? You can't. It's a private prayer. You, yeah, you just you couldn't do it. It'd be impossible. So you need a way to determine guilt or innocence. That's right. You need a trial by ordeal. So the trial by ordeal is the trial by lions. Right. You, if we suspect that you have prayed in someone's name other than Darius, mm-hmm. we throw you to the lions. Mm-hmm. If they eat you, you were guilty. If, if they the, don't eat you, somehow, well, great, you're, you're innocent. innocent. <laughs> 
this is this is like the old witch hunts where they would right. like throw people into a river, and if you survived the river, oh great, you're not a witch. Right. If you sank and drowned, which is most likely, right. You are. Oh, I guess well, you're no, a if witch. you floated, oh, you were a witch. But like that's the only way you're gonna survive, survive. So is you if you float. To, you so have to drown. So you have to drown. It's a catch twenty two. It's a catch twenty two, and it's designed to like affirm the deity. Mm. Or the divinity of Darius. Yeah, another wrinkle to throw in this that's really interesting, and also just to help us further embody this imaginative universe of trial by ordeal. We actually have in the in the Torah a trial by ordeal commanded by God. Yes. If you suspected a woman of adultery, mm-hmm. um, you, but you couldn't prove it, but you had right. this, you you suspected, you could bring her into the temple. And the priest would would get a cup of water, yeah, and a little bit of dust from the temple floor and sprinkle it into the water. So it's like a little bit of like dusty water. It's not going to hurt you. Holy water. It's, it's kinda, not yeah. a big deal. It's holy water. Yes. And they drink it. And now, nor- in normal circumstances, nothing like, will ever nothing happen. would ever happen. So this is the exact opposite of the it's trial, a trial by, by ordeal meant to exonerate the right. woman. It is meant accused. to prove the woman's innocence. Yes. And it's like, but if she is guilty. Somehow God will miraculously work to mm-hmm. give her these intense stomach cramps. Right. And it will also dry up her womb, it's, it nice. says. It's, it's and an- so it's like, it's the exact opposite. This one is rigged to be like, you go to lions, you die. Right. Most of the time. So it's not, it's not an innocent cup of water. It's right. It's lions. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the point there is that we have a category for a trial by ordeal within scripture. Yes. There are examples throughout human history, like the witch trials mm-hmm. where you trial by ordeal. And right. this is another one of them. Right. How are we going to prove that Darius is the king, the God above all gods? How are we going to prove that Darius is the mediator? How are we going to prove that you prayed in the wrong name? Well, we'll throw you to lions. And if mm-hmm. you survive, then maybe you're innocent. Yeah. Maybe your God is the God of gods. So yeah. both things are on the line. Daniel's innocence is on the line, mm. but so are the claims that Yahweh mm-hmm. can be accessed without Darius. Like, yeah, like right. The, the, so is the claim that Darius is a mediator. That's right. But they have to, yeah, they, God has to disprove that Darius is who his satraps are claiming to be. That's right. Yeah. It's also interesting, um, the comparison between the furnace and mm-hmm. the lion's den here. Yeah. I'm just thinking about this big, giant, hot furnace in the middle of Babylon uh, as the symbol of their might and their Mm -hmm, power. mm -hmm. And then you have this big, ravenous cave full of lions as a symbol of Darius's and the Median's might. These two centers of of death and power and control. Yeah, it's like they have these. Uh, I kept thinking about the Rancor Pit. Oh, the Book yeah. of Boba Fett, <laughs> or from, or from Star of, Wars, yeah, Return of the Jedi, yeah, Return of the Jedi, yeah. Like, yeah, that's where you go to to die, to die. Yeah, it's not like Jabba was throwing people to the Rancor to see if they were innocent or not. <laughs> I mean, Luke made it out. He did. He was yeah. innocent. Yeah, he was innocent. <laughs> oh, I could keep so what's on that. the line? Yeah. Daniel's innocence mm-hmm. and Darius's claim to be mediator. Right. The lions will apparently prove. Who is innocent and who is the true God? And the expectation is they've rigged the system so that Darius has proved to be a mediator yes. and Daniel will be guilty. That's right. So when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where his window he had his windows in his upper chamber and opened towards Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. He got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Mm-hmm. So what? So we just have a claim 
that Darius is the only mediator. And Daniel goes immediately and prays in a different direction. Mm-hmm. He prays towards Jerusalem. Not toward the center of power in Darius's kingdom, but right. toward the center of power in God's kingdom. Right. And what's interesting about that is that at this point, Jerusalem is burned. The temple is destroyed. There are no priests to act as his mediators between himself and God. Mm-hmm. Darius is the only flesh and blood mediator around, right? Right. Yep. So he is praying in defiance of the order, right. but in hopes of a mediator yet to come. Yeah. And I think it's important here to to name the temple, you know, for an Israelite was their place of mediation right. between themselves and God. Mm-hmm. It was the place where their sins were atoned for. It was the place where they could literally go near the presence of the glory of God and have a picnic with him. Yeah. It was also where you were declared innocent. Right. You would go to the temple, mm-hmm. you would offer sacrifices, and the priest, the mediator, yep. would declare you innocent. That's right. Yeah, it's where you went to be declared innocent. Right. Uh, or in the trial by ordeal for the woman suspected of adultery, mm-hmm. that's where they would go to be cla- be declared yes. innocent or guilty as well. That's right. Yeah, so that is the place for a Jew to look for mediation. And that place, but the, but the interesting wrinkle is that place does not exist right now. Mm-hmm. It has been decimated by Babylon and still lies in ruins. So why is Daniel praying toward a building that doesn't exist anymore where priests aren't actually doing mediation and there are no sacrifices to make atonement? I I mean... I'm setting you up. You're setting me up. <laughs> Daniel's praying towards a future city, a future temple, a future priest, yeah. a future sacrifice that would prove him innocent and vindicate him before his enemies. I think Daniel is praying to Jesus. Yeah. Even though he didn't know his name. That's right. I think that's what's happening in this yeah. moment. And he doesn't know what it's going to look like. You know, maybe he was imagining a restored temple. Yeah. Or in a new high priest. Yeah. But at the end of the day, all those things are fulfilled in Jesus. Yes. He knows Jesus or this figure, this mm-hmm. mediator, will rescue him from his accusers. Yes. Prove his innocence and prove that God is the only God of, of, of media. Yes. And to double down on that point, actually, I can almost argue with myself that Daniel probably did have a clearer vision of Jesus than maybe anyone else in his time because we have to remember Daniel doesn't follow a strictly chronological ordering and Daniel 6 actually happens after Daniel 7. That's right. That's and so right. That's Daniel right. 7, Daniel has already had the vision of the Son of Man coming down from the clouds Reigning from its judge's throne. Right. right. He knows what the final temple is going to look like. It's going to mm. look like God reigning on high above everything and giving the thrones of, of, of the world to, to his saints. Like he knows what it's going to look like. So he's praying towards the temple with that image in his mind. He's like, I know son of God that you will reign forever. So I'm going to pray to you, my only mediator. Mm -hmm. He did know that there was one who mediated between God Mm -hmm. and man, the son of man that he saw right on the clouds in the next chapter. Yeah. Cause this has already happened. So yeah. he is praying to Jesus. He's praying like to Jesus. This is the second person of the Trinity. He's doing that. It's yes. cool. It's so cool. Yeah. And so he does this. Uh, why, I, w- I just want to stop and say, like, why did he do it? Because I've heard so many oh. VBS kind of okay. like Bible school stories about, yeah. dis- you know, despite the warning, right. he went and did it anyway. Uh, I've heard people talk about it as an act of civil disobedience mm-hmm. where it's, it's mm-hmm. an unjust law. And so in an act of civil disobedience, he goes and breaks the law on purpose in order to show that he's a faithful Jew. 
I think I think those are okay. Yeah. I'm not, I don't have a problem with those. Well, I think the best way to interpret Daniel 6 mm-hmm. is to look at its mirror passage in Daniel chapter 3. Which is the, the fiery furnace. The fiery, fiery furnace. Okay. We've talked about this multiple times already in this series, but this section, of, the book of Daniel is arranged like a chiasm mm-hmm. where every chapter has a partner chapter elsewhere right. in the book. Chapter 3 and chapter 6 are mirror images of each mm-hmm. other. You have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before a king claiming to be the final word to be the image of God, the mm-hmm. final word on who rules the world. And they have a choice. Do they bow to him or do they not? And now we have a similar situation. You have a king claiming to be the only mediator between the gods and men. Mm-hmm. And he has a choice in that moment. It's a private choice in this matter, not a public choice like it was for Shadrach, Meshach, and right. Abednego. But he still has a choice. It sounds like it, it was a private thing on the line. He didn't, he didn't have to. He could have not prayed for 30 days. Right. Or it he could have, have been, prayed with the window shut. Could have prayed with the window <laughs> shut. He could have, but he is making a stand. He is giving he's, allegiance to the right king. He's wanting God to go public. Like yeah. he's wanting his allegiance and he's wanting to stand up for God yeah. in a public way. Well, I, he I think I he wants there. to pass the test. Right. He wants, like, right. he, he knows what he's facing right now is a test of his. Right. Of and his, it is the same thing. It's not like um, the same thing happens with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't go to the king and be like, oh, mm-hmm. we're not going to bow down, sucker. Right. Right. They were dragged there. Right. By conspirators. Mm-hmm. And they were like, hey, these Jews won't do it. Same thing happens. This Jew won't do it. Yep. So same thing happens. I, I was wondering, the one thing yeah. I was just like curious about that I've not thought of in Daniel's act of civil disobedience or setting himself up to pass the test or yeah. whatever it is, is he knows this is a trap for him. Oh. Right. I, I think even if he didn't pray, they would have grabbed him anyway. <laughs> right. Right? Like, it was designed for him. Right. It was a law designed to put him in a den of lions. And so he's going to get there anyway. So I think he is praying for the Son of Man to come and mm. save him. Like, yeah. He's asking for mediation. As the third leader of the kingdom with the promise of being the prime minister, you would know the hundred the, the, the pol- politics of your 120. You yeah. know what's happening oh yeah you know they're coming for you you know they're coming for you. and so what does he do does he go jockey for position with the king does he go try to overturn the law no Mm -hmm. does he does he legislate does he do politics Mm -hmm. no he prays he prays and he asks for mediation from the one who is actually the mediator the one who can prove him innocent yeah and he and we're gonna see he gets proved innocent yeah because he went to the right place for mediation Mm. so the men come by agreement and come before the king and say, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except you shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king, not knowing what they're talking about, says, yes, that's the laws of the Medes and the Persians cannot be revoked, which is interesting mm. because he's like, say, no, the laws are immutable. The laws cannot be changed. Nothing overturns the godlike laws right. of the Medes. Then they answer said, well, Daniel who's one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king. And then the king, and, but he makes his petitions three times a day to a different god. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, which is interesting. Mm. The king is trapped, too. The yeah. king, kind of like, um, he had all that political infighting in, in Daniel 3 that kind of forces the Nebuchadnezzar's hand into making, like, he didn't want to burn them, but, you know, like, the, He made this public spectacle. He has to burn them. Yeah, he's kind of bound by his own honor and pride. 
And so we have Darius being really soft-hearted, and he tries to save Daniel yeah. from the fate that he knows he's trapped in. Yeah. Can you? Will you allow me to go down a gospel rabbit trail? Of course. Okay. I think it's interesting. I've never thought about this, but it's interesting that you have the the king pretending to be God, mm-hmm. who is bound by law to put the Christ figure in this thing to death mm-hmm. by the law. Right. But then wants to deliver him. Yeah. But like his law was self-aggrandizing and it was all about his ego and he actually could break it, mm-hmm. but he would just lose face a little bit, you yeah. know? So it's just his ego is the thing that's tying it all up. There's only one law that actually is unchangeable, that actually mm-hmm. must be meted out perfectly for all time. That's the law of God. Mm-hmm. And instead of Jesus being like trapped by the law, Jesus willingly came to fulfill the law and Mm. went to death under the law of God, the immutable law of God. Mm. And then God did seek a way to bring him out in resurrection. I was like, Oh, this is like a really nasty version. Right. And maybe even a version of how people try to view God today. Yeah, it goes back to the theme we keep thinking about where the kings seem to be like gods and the gods seem to be setting up anti-Edens and blessing the whole world. These kings seem to be in the position of God over and over again. And I think what you're saying is like a lot of people want to, the way that the story goes is like God's character demands justice. Right. So how does, but humanity is too imperfect to escape justice mm-hmm. so how can the law of god re- be revoked the law of god stands forever right it cannot be rescinded right so how do you get out of it yeah is that, is that kind of like yeah that's the, totally it yeah. and what's amazing is he doesn't trap us in the law mm. right right <laughs> he sends us the one who can get us out of the law he sends one who does actually mm-hmm. s- like be judged by the law and is proven innocent mm-hmm. he goes into mm-hmm. the lion's den and under the law of God, the actually only immutable eternal law of God is proven innocent mm-hmm. so that we who would be trapped by the law right. can escape the lion's den too. Right, which is how uh, the story ends. Where right. Darius praising the God of Israel and vindicating all believers yeah. in Yahweh throughout the empire of media. Right. Yeah. I just I haven't read the story with the law in my mind. Mm, I haven't either. The Old Testament law in my mind. Mm. So anyway. That's Jesus super interesting. That. I think there's something there. There is something there. So Okay. Uh, so... Darius is looking for a way to get Daniel out, but he can't. He's trapped by his own law. It is funny. It is just funny to see this would-be God, like, made impotent by his own... Omnipotence. Like, by his own omnipotence. (laughs) Like, he's legislated himself into irrelevance. Right. (laughs) It's just so interesting. Well, it's funny. Even with, like, the kings of the earth legislate themselves into a corner. Mm -hmm. And when God legislates himself into a corner with his justice, he, he can't. Right. His, like, he sends himself right. to do the work. King Darius can't go to the... Well, he could have, I guess but he's he too have. proud. Mm. Like, he could have been like, you know what? It's my. It was my name that I was asking people to pray in. I'll lay my life down. Yeah. But he didn't, because no one is like Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, anyway, it's just yeah. it's amazing. So, verse 16, <clears throat> the king has no choice. He declares to Daniel, may your God... Whom you serve continually deliver you. I think this depiction of Darius is fascinating. It really is. Darius is not... He's a bad guy. Yeah. 
But he is super sympathetic to Daniel. Yeah. He continue. He seems to be praying. He, he in a second he's going to fast mm. all night long in hopes of Daniel's salvation. And by the way, we talked about this as a trial by ordeal. If this was just a punishment for not praying to Darius, why does he expect Daniel to come out the other side? He wouldn't. He would just stay in there till he died. Right. No. The point is that it's not. This isn't an execution. Right. This is. Is Daniel innocent or guilty of the crimes the satraps are accusing him of? Right, because the next morning, apparently the king is fully within his legal right to go open the lion's den and, and see say, if he's okay. He's okay, right. Right, the trial was over. The trial was over. Yeah. Did you survive the trial, Daniel? Right. Right. Are you innocent? Is your God really God? Like, yeah. Oh, okay. So, a stone is brought in, laid over the roof of the den, or Daniel's thrown in. Mm-hmm. Stone is rolled over the top of it. Uh, and the king signs his own signet in wax over the the tomb. Mm. Isn't that like such a symbolic gesture? He's like forced to bless this to trial. To bless the trial. Huh. It's kind of like, I, it, it makes me think of Pilate. Sure. You he this, wanted to wash his hands of it. You have this sympathetic type of character who's being forced by mm. the religious Gestapo mm-hmm. <laughs> to, you know, like, <laughs> to, to force... You know, you know what I mean? Like yeah, he's totally. forced to give his blessing on it, even though he wants to wash his hands of it. Right. It's interesting. That is interesting. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. So he's praying on behalf of Daniel, fasting on behalf of Daniel. So that's ironic. You have the one man whom was who was supposed to be everyone else's mediator <laughs> mediating behalf of <laughs> Daniel to the God who is the only mediator. Right. <laughs> it's so ironic. Everything. It's also funny too that it's also it's actually is what happened mm-hmm. is like, hey Darius, you be the mediator between God and man, and now Darius is being the mediator between Daniel and God. Hmm. He's literally praying for Daniel, mediating for him, interceding for him. Hmm. It's an ironic fulfillment, right, of the trap. Yeah, but it's going to undo the very trap that was set by the reversal. It's so interesting. It's so interesting. <laughs> well, what, as soon as you have that category of like mediation is on the line and the king and the satraps have a broken relationship with mediation and that false mediation is going to be revealed and then corrected Hmm. and so you know like and so all that's at work behind the scenes here so at the break of day comes king goes down to the den of lions he comes near the den of lions he says cast the stone off the top and he cries out daniel servant of the living god Hmm. that's the same way that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are described, and it's the same way the Moses and Abraham are described mm. about God. These are the servants, the servants of God, mm. the leaders of God's people. Um, it's also funny that he's assuming life because he says, "Servant of the, of the living, living God, God." Right in a place where he should totally, he should totally expect death. They're lions. Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the trial of lions? Mm. O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, just like God sent one like the son of the gods, into the fire to shut the lion's mouth. And Mm. they have not harmed me. No scratch is on me. Yeah, that's amazing. Just like there was no singed smell on the clothes from the fiery furnace. Yes. So the king calls Daniel up out of lion's den. He's, you know, like resurrected. Right. From the tomb, and 
no harm is found on him. And then the men who accuse Daniel are thrown into the den of the lions along with their families. Mm. And before they reach the bottom, the lions overpower them and break all their bones to pieces. The lions were hungry. The lions were hungry. This, the, Yeah, the king didn't drug the lions the night before. <laughs> right. <laughs> he put some magic mushrooms down there. <laughs> we're watching this documentary about <laughs> fantastic fungi. Oh, yes. On Netflix. <laughs> and it's like... This guy had like the spiritual experience on mushrooms, and he's like, "You can give mushrooms to anything, like a lion, <laughs> like a lion." <laughs> they were just he trips out. They were just tripping out all night. <laughs> no, an angel stopped <laughs> the lions. So Daniel is proven innocent. Yes, the lions prove Daniel innocent. Yes, right. The rigged trial backfires. Right, and the people who tried to try Daniel <laughs> are trapped by their own false trial. Right. So they wow. are proven say, say that again. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, I said it in my demo at one point. Maybe I can set it better, clear, more clearly there. But the idea is that they're consumed by their own trial. Mm. Should we talk about Jesus? Can we? I don't know how else to process this. Okay. So just like there's jealous conspirators in Daniel, yeah. we have jealous conspirators in the Pharisees who want Jesus torn to shred at the hands of another empire. Right. The Romans. And, and they have to start doing political maneuvering and, and make a rigged trial because of the exact same reason. Mm-hmm. They decide they want to kill Jesus, but they are unable to find anything to stick on him. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, we can't go about this by normal adjudication. Right. And so they have to form a rigged trial mm-hmm. to make him fall into their trap. Yeah, not only was the trial rigged, the accusation of blasphemy is also kind of rigged. It's this, you know, it's like it's a rigged everything's rigged about it. There's right. nothing. It was like because he is the son of God. Mm-hmm. And they're like asking him to identify himself as he is. Right. He will drown. He, he will, will drown. get eaten by lions. Like yes. it's a rigged trial. And so when the Pharisees we don't the, the crucifixion to the Pharisees was an execution. That's right. It was not a trial. But to God, it's a trial. <laughs> That's right. Like whenever the Pharisees started the trial, it's like God honored the trial. Mm-hmm. In the same way that God kind of honors the trial of these satraps. Right. He lets it go all the way to the grave. Mm-hmm. God honors the trial all the way to the grave of Jesus. And just like a stone is rolled over Daniel's tomb, a stone is rolled over Jesus's. But yeah, but what's what's funny here is you have the the women coming to the tomb of Jesus, kind of like Darius comes to the den yes. of Daniel. Yes, and the women come in a different way than Daniel. Yeah, it's also it, it kind of makes sense of why Mark ends his gospel the way that he does. That the women who come to the tomb, they're looking for a dead body. Right, they're expecting Jesus to have been executed mm-hmm. and not to have passed a trial, mm-hmm. even though he told them he was going to yes. be resurrected. Whereas Darius, when he comes to the tomb, he's like, "Daniel, you in there, right? Mm-hmm. I've been praying for you all night. I'm expecting your God to deliver you. You're in there, right?" Yeah. And the women come to the tomb of Jesus, and they're confronted by an angel, kind of like Daniel was accompanied by an angel. Yeah. In his den, and the the angel asks him this strange question. He says, "Why are you looking for the living among the dead?" Mm-hmm. And th- that's not what they were expecting. They were that expecting wasn't. to find the dead among the dead. And just to hammer home all these parallels, we have to. I, I'm going backtracking. But yeah. Like the pilot Darius connection uh-huh. 
it's like the false trial happens and so they go get it ratified by the person who actually do something about it uh-huh anyway yes. yeah and they politically twist his hand yes to say like and they appeal to a law they appeal to caesar above him mm-hmm. there's some higher political power holding and pinning you down see uh pilot to like make you force your hand to do this and he's like mm-hmm. i don't really want to but i have to mm-hmm. here's my wax seal my gosh and he seals jesus's death but just like the lions the mm-hmm. grave can only consume the guilty the grave can only consume the guilty the grave let's talk about this let's talk about the yep. grave as a test yes the the grave is a test i've never thought about it like that before yeah the death is death death is a punishment yeah or death even, is an execution or death even it's just death is death it just yeah. you die yeah and i've never thought about death in this mystical way that comes from the curse in genesis mm-hmm. 3 that death is only for the guilty yeah death is only for those who have sinned it's the it's its natural response. You you Adam and Eve sinned, death entered the world. So all who sin go into the grave. It and it says, "Are you guilty of sin? Yes, I'll keep you." Mm-hmm. But Jesus breaks the cogs of the machinery right. of right. death, right? Because the grave ate something that was not guilty for the first time, yeah, and it could not hold it because he wasn't right. guilty. Yeah, the grave is a kind of judge in this sense. Yeah. And the grave cannot find Jesus guilty. Yeah. So he has to spit him out the same way the lions spit Daniel out. Right. Death could not hold him. Yes. Because it had nothing to hold against him. It right. was a punishment for sin, but there was no sin found in him. Mm-hmm. And so he is risen from the grave to prove that everything that was on the line in Darius's day, right, is now flipped on its head. Right. Who is the true mediator between God and man? Jesus. Jesus is. Right. He just proved it. Who will ascend to his rightful throne? Jesus. Jesus will. Right. Who conquers the accusers? Who silences yeah. the accusation of the accusers? Right. Jesus. Let's let's go there because I think that is an interesting extra part of this story Yeah. that the enemies are defeated by their own trap. This is exactly mm-hmm. how the New Testament talks about the powers that tried to put Jesus to death. Mm-hmm. If they would have known, they, if they would have known what would have happened, they would not have crucified the Lord, mm-hmm. but they did. And they were defeated by it because right. Satan in trying to kill the son of God ended up yeah. creating his, causing his own death because now what, what does Satan have? You know, what, what, what did, what did the satraps have in his story in Daniel's story? And what does Satan have since the beginning? Accusations. Accusations and lies. That's what his name means. <laughs> Accuser. The, the accuser. accuser. Hasatan. The right. accuser. That is what his name means. That was his job in Job, and it was his job in the beginning, and it's his job all the way to the end to accuse. But what happens when the accusers in Daniel's story mm-hmm. lose their accusation, when their accusations are proven irrefutably false, they fall under their own judgment. Mm-hmm. The, they're when, thrown to the pit. They, just... They're thrown to the pit. They're, they're devoured by lions. Mm-hmm. And it's just so interesting to view Satan that way. The one who mm-hmm. comes to us and whispers accusations in our ears and condemnation and says, you are guilty. You are worthless. You're going to die. There mm-hmm. is no God. There is no resurrection for you. Lies, lies, mm-hmm. accusations. And it's like, man, when Jesus rose from the grave, guess who went into the tomb after him? Satan. He casts mm-hmm. Satan down. Mm-hmm. He defeats his accusations because when because we can now join Jesus in that resurrection. We are proven innocent when we combine ourselves with him. When we are in Christ, 
we too are innocent and Satan's accusations have nothing to do but be, to be thrown to the lions. The other thing we mm. can say here is that it's in Jesus's name mm. that the grave will not find us guilty. Either. That's right. We're going to be thrown to a grave one day. Yep. Most likely. <laughs> Most likely six feet under we all go. Yep. It will be our last test. Mm-hmm. It'll be our last trial. And if we are in Jesus, we will resurrect. That's right. We, All, that w- we right. will ascend to a throne with him. Right. What, what are we supposed to do knowing that the test of death in the grave lies around the corner for all of us? We do what Daniel did. We open our windows towards Jerusalem, in a sense, towards Jesus, mm-hmm. and we pray in his name. Yes. And when we do... The Bible comes true, and it says no one who trusts in Jesus will be put to shame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one. We can say the same prayer as Daniel and just say whatever he prayed. You know, he could, <laughs> my trust is in you, yes, son of man, <laughs> and we will be delivered from the trial by lions. Do you want to know what happens after Daniel's delivered from the trial by lions? I really do. Well, then King Darius writes to all peoples, nations, and languages that <laughs> dwell on the earth. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So, again, we've talked about this a a couple different times in here. This phrase is repeated in almost every chapter of the book of Daniel. Mm. It's leaning forward where this same phrase will be used to describe the son of man's authority. Mm. So, the the messianic Jesus' authority over all kingdoms. But for now, King Darius has this authority. He's talking to all the people under his power. Peace be multiplied to you. And he makes a new decree, a new law, a new injunction that all my royal dominion, in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. He is the living God, Mm. enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. We talked about the irrevocable law of the Medes and the Persians. Oh, yeah. This is one of them now. <laughs> That's good. That's like a, such a fun, divine, <laughs> ironic twist. <laughs> he humbles himself before the God of Daniel. Right. Yeah. And asks everyone else to as well. Yeah. Amazing. And this is actually really important. Mm. So I, t- I tease Daniel 7. Yeah. So what is this law commanding? The global worship of the one true God. Right. Because a son of man was lifted up out of the grave Mm. that's that's the the world must worship the true god because the son of man was lifted out of the grave yeah that's what daniel 7 is all about and this idea that the nations all nations will praise god once a son a son of man is Mm. raised up is how the bible ends in revelation 5 and 7 people Mm -hmm. from all tribes languages nations and tongues will worship the one true God. Why? Because Jesus is on the throne. And he was the lamb that was slain. He, the lamb that was slain right. is on the throne. How is that possible? Because he's innocent and he's the only mediator and he is the king above all kings. The grave cannot consume this king. That's right. Yes. And neither can it consume us when we're in him. Wow. Powerful. Powerful stuff. Daniel, I mean, find that in your Bible. Children. <laughs> <laughs> Find that in your children's Bible. <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. Find that in your Bible children. They can. <laughs> they can. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is such a fun way to read Daniel 6 and 
Well, awesome. That's Daniel and the Lions Den. Daniel and the Lions Den. Uh, next week, as Seth has hinted at, is the infamous, infamous, and daunting Daniel, Daniel Seven. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, this is the Ancient of Days. This is the Son of Man coming on the clouds. This is the four beasts rising up. Out of this the ocean. This is, yeah. This is it's a big deal. It the whole so far the whole book of Daniel has been leaning forward to that moment, and then it's, after chapter seven, the rest of Daniel will lean back on it. Lean back on it. It's this idea that there is one true ruler, and a son of man, yep. someone like a son of man, raises up to his proper authority. Yep, that's the center of the book. Of Everything Daniel. hinted at in the book so far is going to come into right. reality. The fact that Daniel keeps being seated next to mm-hmm. Babylonian power is an image of God. And his son yeah. seating next to him in power. It's, it's, the whole book's leaning here. It's going to be awesome. So don't miss. We'll see you guys in Daniel 7 next week. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week.